games. One goal. One win. We're knackered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that, no, it's all, after it's all that, good though, isn't it? Beautiful musical stylings. Is that I'm going to get, Richard? Come on. Well, I'm not going to sing because um, okay. nobody wants to hear that. Regardless of the starkness of the numbers you mentioned, I'm, I'm pretty happy with where we are at the moment. Um, well, I mean, I'm sure we'll find something to whinge about over the course of the next half an hour, 40 minutes, but we'll, we'll get to that. Anyway, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's episode of the Red Voices Manchester United podcast. We hope you're all doing very well. You've got me, you and Leonard and him, Richard Cantu, discuss two games this week, including Manchester United's one old draw with AC Milan in the Europa League and this evening's 1-0 win over West Ham United in the Premier League. And before all that, we'll do our normal thing of actually Richard just how he is. I'm okay. I'm, I'm, I am I'm. had my vaccine on Friday, as Twitter users may have noticed. It was a surprise vaccination after I went to the doctors for something else, and they clearly just had some lying about. Yeah, I mean, the way you said um, surprise vaccination made it seem like you got jumped. I did get jumped. I, I just, I was, I was literally at the, at the, like, speaking to the receptionist, and this woman just goes, do you want to, va- do you want to be vaccinated? I was like, uh-huh. And then she just pushed me into a room, and I was out within 20 seconds, having been vaccinated. But yeah, it's all good. But, um, well done. yeah, I had the AstraZeneca one, and um, I saw a really good um, quote on Twitter, or, or someone someone had said, if I could describe how I felt after the AstraZeneca vaccine, it would be, in inverted commas, there has been a struggle. <laughs> and I think that's I think that's that's probably um, probably about right. But that's a good thing. That's a good thing because it means that that it's doing something and the body's doing something. When did this turn into vaccine talk? Vaccine voices. <laughs> Red I don't know, this is the world we, it's the world we live in, isn't it? But anyway, how are you? Uh, yeah, I'm fine. Can't complain too much about this week. Kids back in school and they're knackered and grumpy and not very happy with me. So what can I say? Let's kick things off. Uh, going back to Thursday night, which given the team that we put out, Richard, had all the uh, markings of a potential banana skin. And what was interesting coming into that game is when we were sharing the lineups back and forth, looking at United in terms of the setup with Greenwood, Bruno, James and Martial with them McTominay and Matic in defence. Sorry, midfield, but not necessarily having a lot on the bench. You were not impressed with AC's lineup at all, but it turned out to be a much trickier night than I think we potentially envisaged, didn't it? Yeah, and that may be that may be due to the fact that the AC Milan were missing so many players. I mean, they they were without probably four of their five best outfield players. What you got was a, a much sort of younger team, um, but perhaps one that that was more motivated, I guess. Whereas United United made a few changes, but I think the relentlessness of this schedule at the moment means that it's very very difficult to get two games in a row where where the intensity is there. Mm. You know, I think Milan quite clearly were the better team for for a large portion of that that game. It was it's one of those ones where at the end Milan score and you're a bit miff, but you're just like, well, yeah, that's fair. Well, I mean, it was a mad game in some ways, wasn't it? You know, you think back to the yeah. way United started and we couldn't really get out very well, and then Kessie was very unlucky not to score. I mean, it was it was a complete accidental hand of the ball, and I guess by the letter of the law, it was correct that it was chalked off, but it was pretty harsh. It wasn't the most obvious handballian no. handballs. But having said that, United should still have gone in 1-0 up, despite barely having any of the ball and despite barely putting on any pressure. Aaron Maguire conspiring to make love to the post. Yeah, that was a bit odd, wasn't it? I mean, the only the only thing I can I can try and think that, that sort of put him off was the fact that he didn't see it till very late and it was he just had to throw his left his left leg at it and he actually kind of shinned it, didn't he? Rather mm. than using his foot, he just used his slab of shin <laughs> to shin it against the against the woodwork, which was yeah. actually an impressive feat from where he was. Yeah, I mean, I guess we're at, you look at evidence tonight as well. We are getting better at our set piece of the reason causing a danger from those areas, aren't we? And that should have certainly been one nil. And I wonder how the game would have yeah. played out had we 
potentially gone in one nil up as opposed to waiting until the second half. I mean, I, as you said there, I don't think you can take the result away from Milan. I thought they actually played, as you said there, they played pretty well and they they certainly had more of the ball and did the better. They did better things with it than we did. Um, I think mm. again the the. The frustration, I guess, comes with the United not necessarily finishing off their chances. But then you compare that with the fact that we scored a goal out of absolutely nothing. I mean, worse than nothing. It was beautifully worked. You know, Bruno, again, struggling when we know that he is doing so with tiredness as well. And, you know, not being able to be his high-impact self, but still coming off with a ridiculous lofted ball into Ahmad, who came on in the second half for Martial, which is another injury to add to the ever-increasing pile. Um but the way he's met that header, it was it was shades of the the brain immediately went to Chicharito against Stoke at the Britannia, right? In terms of the way that he's met that. Mm. But I think that's actually better in the way that he's met it, the way he's run onto it, and the improvisation to get that ball there was exquisite, wasn't it? What a what a goal to score. If albeit in front of an empty Stretford end for your first goal for United. I'm not having any slander about Chicharito's back header. I think that was one of the, the greatest pieces of inspiration I've ever seen. If, 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 um What's the word I'm looking for? Not inspiration. Improvisation, sorry. Yes, that and Chicharito volleying the ball against his own face and into the goal in, in, in against Chelsea at Wembley. That will Those two goals will, will always be peak for me. Um, but it was a really nice little goal. It was an absolutely ridiculous ball and a really deft little back header over, over Donnarumma. Um, and it was, just, it was nice for him to... I mean, to get off the mark, wasn't it? Um, mm. I think he's got. I think he, you know, from what little we've seen of him, I saw a bit of him at Atalanta as well. He's clearly, he's clearly a very technically gifted player. I think he's got a lot of ability going forward. But it's rich. Whether... I love you, but you never shut up about that. <laughs> well, I only saw him play. I only saw him play it twice as sub. But, but um, you know, I mean, he clearly is really good at the football. Um, I think it's just a case for, for Ollie of of making sure he understands tactically what's expected of him. You know, we've seen Oli going for Dan James quite a lot recently. And part of that is because James's form has been a bit better and because other players have been missing, but it's also because James does all the work going forward and backwards. And there was just, there was just, just a couple of times that when I've seen Ahmed on the ball and he loses the ball and just kind of stands there and watches it go back. So, I think I don't think we have anything to worry about him as an attacking force. And I think that goal was just another really good example of of the the the, the ability he's got and the ability to find space he's got. I think the ball was as good as the finish. To be honest, it was a completely almost completely flat pass, wasn't it, from Bruno to loft it just over the defence, but between the defenders and the keeper was 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 a really fantastic delivery. Yeah, and uh, the other excellent chance of the evening fell to Dan James after superb work by Mason Greenwood who I think deserves a mention for the level of his build-up play and interplay with the players around him if not necessarily you know being able to get on top of chances I mean he hit the post twice against West Ham tonight that goal is coming soon I think the overall quality of his play is definitely improving and it's a stage up from where it's been at various points this season sets at Dan James but I don't think James is expecting it and he just sort of snatches at it with his left foot I mean 2-0 you would imagine would be going to the San Siro in a much better mood than we currently are but it's a it's a moment of it's a lapse in concentration that United got away with to a certain degree in the sense that this is only the first leg. Yes, we conceded an away goal, but it's still frustrating to go in one all having conceded that away goal so late on in the game, wasn't it? Yeah, it is, but it's it's weird, isn't it? The type of team United are at the moment, you'd fancy it's a lot more away from home than you would at home, particularly in ties like this. You know, Milan aren't going to play at home against United in the in Europe and not 
commit players forward and not play their own game, which in theory, just as has happened with um, Sociedad, should give United a lot of space to to do what we do best if players are on it. And we've we've repeatedly done that recently, haven't we? You know, we completely leathered Sociedad. We did it at City, and I think I think there will be opportunities to to really do some damage away from home in in San Siro. So while it was annoying, and, and obviously the one nil puts us in a lot better position, um, I don't think that ties anywhere near over. And I think we can we can look at it and think we could be reasonably confident going into that game. Yeah, I mean, who do you put more at fault for the goal itself? The last second corner or last minute corner you've you've got to win the first header but once you've lost that header you know it was it it should have been saved Henderson should have saved it it was essentially right at him he almost seemed to be crouching too low didn't he and then he's he he just moved his hand too late there's a really good slow-mo video of it where you see it some just before the header comes in for, for reasons that nobody understands he takes a quick glance across at something else in the box and that's the point at which Kiar makes contact with the ball and by the time he's take, got his gaze back to the ball and re, sort of reset himself he hasn't got time to get his hand up to it it's a shame for him because I'm sure he wants to use this period to to really stake his claim for to be United's first choice goalie going forward in the next season as well so the one thing you'd say about Henderson or the one difficulty the, the one kind of unknown is that you know at Sheffield United it's on the one hand it's it's relatively easy to be a keeper because you're facing shots all the time so you're always on it whereas obviously United you're going to face maybe two or three dangerous chances in a game and you've got to concentrate you've got to be you've got to be ready to suddenly leap into action when you've been doing nothing for the last 10 minutes Um, and Mm. I I almost kind of felt there was a bit of that there was just you know he, he hadn't actually had to make a lot of saves in that game and he just seemed to lose concentration at the last. And so I, I guess Ollie has good reason to just wonder if Henderson has got that 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 sort of concentration level that that he needs. But he, I mean, he's got opportunity now. I'm hoping that I'm hoping that Solskjaer continues to keep him in the team for for a few weeks, even though De Gea is now back and isolating. Because um, I think he I think he deserves that, and De Gea certainly doesn't deserve to be thrown back in again. No, no, I think it's a it's a tricky decision um, for Solskjaer to manage in terms of the the size of the contract that De Gea has and the personality that he is in terms of how long he's been at United and how much he's done for the club over the last decade. I mean, he was our best player during the 2010s, right? I don't think there is yeah. any argument to say that anyone bettered him during that period. So I, that obviously overcomplicates the issue and also trying to manage that from a dressing room perspective because that's not an easy dynamic to manage. But from a footballing perspective, I don't necessarily think it's that difficult. I think you go for the one that makes his defence more comfortable, the one that he organises better, the one that makes them feel more at ease and helps them to play their best football. At the minute, if you compare and contrast where we've been with De Gea during points of the season with Henderson, at the minute, I think you say that Henderson gets the nod because yeah. you don't see... Maguire and Bay and Lindelof making as many mistakes when they've got him behind them. You know, it just seems to be a better situation for everyone involved. And I'm not saying that that's going to be that's going <clears> to <throat> that's going to stay the same for the rest of the two months of this season. But at the minute, it's a bit of a no-brainer. What Henderson does do, which may help the, the centre backs in front of him, is that he, I think, he commands the area better. De, De Gea's biggest weakness is the fact that he stays on his line, and I don't think he's quite brave enough sometimes. And Henderson, Henderson is far more secure coming out for crosses, coming out for punches, 
and the other the other benefit that he has I think is his distribution and we saw again tonight really quick throwouts to the to the fullbacks which De Gea doesn't do there are some real benefits to to keeping him in goal and I'm hoping that 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 proves enough to um, keep him there for a bit because I do think he adds a lot to our attacking impetus as well as the security of the defenders. Right, moving on to this evening's game against West Ham, which given they are, well, at the start of play, they were, what, six points behind us with a game in hand, and if they had won tonight, that would have made us very uncomfortable indeed. Obviously not forgetting the fact that it's David Moyes, and obviously not forgetting the fact that within the last month or so, they came to Old Trafford and barely mustered a single effort on target across two hours of FA Cup football. Rich, did it really play out any differently than you expected? Probably not in the end, but I, I wondered if having seen how the Fig Cup game went, that the Moyes would be perhaps be a little braver. But as soon as you saw the lineups, you knew that wasn't going to be the case. And I, and I don't understand it because West Ham have got so many good players now. They've got a really, really good team. They've got a lot of attacking talent that could do teams damage. United clearly aren't the, the most secure um, defensive team in the Premier League. So I think there was enough there to really worry us. We've 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 had we've struggled against worse, much worse West Ham teams than that. To see him come out again in in such a conservative manner, I mean, it's good from it was good from United's perspective, but it didn't really make any sense from West Ham's. You know, West Ham have lost three games this this year. Yeah, the only games they've lost the, this calendar year have been against City in and Liverpool in the league, and then us in the FA yeah, Cup, the and three... especially in the game where they played at Old Trafford, they were so dirt. Like it was. Yeah. It was anti-football. They they just they didn't bother doing anything until they were behind, but as they did what, tonight. That's what they did in those other two games as well. I mean, it didn't make any sense against Liverpool because Liverpool were in a bad spot themselves at the time, um, and it didn't really ever look like it was going to get anything out of the game at City either. Um, so it, it does surprise me that he did exactly the same thing today. Um, and once once United were ahead and he had to try and change it a bit towards the end, there still wasn't the impetus there to to actually make anything of it. And I think United were probably more comfortable than the, the final score. Um, the final score told, you know, hit, hit the post twice. So it created some other opportunities that really should have, we should have done better from. So that was probably, in, in, in a weird way, one of United's most comfortable home wins of the season, I'd have said, once, once the breakthrough came. Mm, uh, which is odd to say when you consider that as soon as we scored West Ham suddenly decided all right we might have to start actually playing football at this stage and try and put us under pressure I think what I enjoyed most about that game was I guess in some perverse way seeing how little space we actually gave West Ham to play with I thought we managed their counter-attacking quite well albeit with a few tactical fouls here and there because you know it's not just City that can do that Um, I thought Maguire again great cut out several dangerous looking balls I thought Lundelof was good Luke Shaw was excellent both defensively and offensively tonight uh, well deserved man of the match and is keeping his impressive form going when other players are struggling which is perfect for us because we need that link up down the left hand side and we definitely need him to be defensively aware and he's improving both as- aspects of his game at the moment which is so key for us going in for the rest of the season again I did Dean Henderson really had to make a save of note tonight and yeah. obviously when you do have a keeper who is still finding his feet in terms of trying to go and be United's number one. It's ideal to have a situation like this where West Ham certainly had plenty of the ball but didn't necessarily do a hell of a lot with it. They huffed and puffed, probably more in a way that we did over the course of that first half. But it didn't ever feel like, and it's strange to consider this, I didn't ever feel too worried about things, especially with the way that we absorbed 
pressure flailed about in the games against you know Burnley and in particular the away game at Craven Cottage at Fulham a little while ago and we looked like we could easily have dropped points in those games because we didn't have a good enough handle on how we were going to try and kill the game off and get that two goal cushion tonight didn't feel like West Ham was suddenly able to flick that switch enough or efficiently enough in order to really pose as much danger and yeah, it probably should have been more comfortable given the create the chances that we created. You know, Mason was incredibly unlucky with both of his shots. The first one in the first half. I mean, again, Greenwood, we were talking about him earlier on. Oh, it's fantastic to say, but Greenwood, I think probably apart from Luke Shaw, was the best player on the pitch for, in a red shirt. Yeah. I thought, again, yeah. superb effort. Great work off the ball and on it as well, in particular in terms of his link-up play. He is keeping his head up, his passing with Fernandez and Rashford and Dan James at the minute and being aware of players are around him is fantastic and you can just tell that when he gets that goal he will unclench a little bit as it were he'll loosen up and that will help him a lot he's not scored since January against Liverpool in the cup so it has been a little while for him but if he wasn't if he was playing like he was several months ago I'd be more concerned his overall game is certainly taking a step up in that sort of period of time so I'm pleased to see that yeah I agree and the, the save from Fabianski, I mean, it was the best chance that United carved out in that first half, wasn't it? You yeah. know, and it was a long-range effort, but there were some great pieces of interplay, and it was just unlucky that, again, as someone mentioned on Twitter, the best goalkeeper in the world at any given night is the one that's playing at Old Trafford. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was an absolutely sensational save. I completely agree with what you're saying about Greenwood. I think his, his all-round game's improved. And one of the things we haven't, we haven't really taken into account is that he's very rarely played as a centre-forward for this, for the the first team um, and he's still very much learning that that role and, and I think we're learning how to play with him as centre forward as well because unlike Martial unlike Cavani we can't sling crosses in you know he's unlikely to be challenging for headers we don't have that option so we have to we have to change how we play a little bit and he has mm. to adapt to that as well he has to work out how he plays as a centre forward in this team and I think he's he's definitely definitely learning that and the interchange the interchanges between the forward players has become a lot slicker. Um, and yeah, he was just really unfortunate there because Fabianski just made absolutely ridiculous save. I mean, to be fair, there was a couple of decent chances at goal and a lot of the threat was coming down the left-hand side, right? Sure was in a decent game and Greenwood was involved in pretty much every single good thing we did in that first hour. Um, and it was, it was a prospective cross from... Greenwood actually in the second half not long after the break that actually sort of carves out the first goal isn't it or the only goal I should say um it flashes across goal I think it's basically Dawson leaves it and Sufal knows Rashford's immediately behind him if he doesn't cope with it it's going to be a tap in for him and then from the resulting uh, corner again danger from a set piece what a world Richard uh yeah. Fernandez curls it in and then McTominay gets ahead I've no idea if it was going on target and it just cannons off Dawson from close range Fabianski yeah. completely floundered at that point and a deserved United lead on 53 minutes and one that despite plenty of possession West Ham really didn't look like overturning at any point I was so pleased when they, when we when Fernandez went over to take that corner because I was getting increasingly frustrated with Luke Shaw taking out swinging corners um, and them being utterly ineffective so it was a really good good moment for Fernandez to actually take one and get one into a danger area and it, it you know it was just the pressure of players wasn't it that, that, that created the goal but even after that I didn't at any point feel like United were really under any any sustained pressure, any real danger. There was there was the the Bowen header, which was ultimately offside that he missed anyway. But aside from that, I'm struggling to think. There were a few blocks. I mean, I think we defended very well in and around the area, and there were some 
some good opportunities that West Ham had that we that we just managed to get players in front of and block. But generally speaking, I think it was a pretty comfortable performance. And I think we, if you want to look at the, the differences between um, Thursday night and, and tonight, I think one of the big ones is is having Matic in the midfield and not having Matic in the midfield. Oh lord! <laughs> I mean, the, 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 I think the issue, the issue, one of the big issues on 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 Thursday night was just simply that this team, United, functioned by collectively pressing. And mm-hmm. if you have if you have Matic in midfield, you there's no point. You can't do it um, because he, he's not going to do it, and so you're you're never going to have a full press on anybody. Whereas at least, <clears throat> even if you take into account the relative failings of Fred and McTominay, they do give you that balance and that ability to constantly win the ball back. And West Ham never really managed to get far enough up the pitch to really put any any real pressure on United. And United were very sharp at, at, at winning the ball back and pressing the West Ham players as they tried to get out. All they really seemed to have at stage, certain stages in that game was just, just looking for Antonio running the, running the channels. It was just, it was a very unsophisticated approach from West Ham, which United handled well by being able to play as a collective rather than the kind of sort of jumble we got on Thursday. No, I mean, uh, my you know my feelings on Nemanja Matic. Uh, I make them clear frequently. Mm. <laughs> he will occasionally have a game where his use of the ball and his positioning will help United out a lot if we've been struggling to break down an opponent and offer us something a little different that Fred certainly doesn't have, especially not with his limited passing and often wayward passing, and McTominay is still developing. Having said that, there is no way he should be involved in pressing high up the pitch or trying to win the ball back high up the pitch because he can't get back. He has never been able to do that, and especially not at his age now, approaching essentially his mid-30s. He shouldn't be in a position where he's either thinking about doing that or being asked to do it. It's suicidal, and it works so much better. I know you can't keep playing the McFred axis in midfield, especially not when our options are limited at the moment because you do have to rotate things around and switch things up. That makes complete sense. But in situations like we had today, you see how much better a choice McFred is essentially is that too, because they didn't leave the defence exposed too often, if at all, throughout the entire game. And there were plenty of occasions where United did cough up the ball and we did get a couple of attacks here and there. But the way we dealt with it was better than I've seen us do for a while. You know, I still, obviously, there's still elements to say that they can improve. You know, Fred's passing still makes me go spare in terms of his ability to use the ball effective, effectively and efficiently because it's just not up to snuff, not for anyone of that price bracket. It's it's mad just how much money we spent on, ideally, as you said last week, one of the best pressers off the ball in the Premier League. But in terms of being a creative passer, passing through the lines and throwing the ball through, he's bad. I think <laughs> it's not it, good. It, when you've got Pogba there, I think you can, I think you can you can get away with Fred's sort of creative failings, can't you? Because if Fred mm. if Fred's simply there to win the ball and then give it to Pogba, that 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 works. But if you've got a if you've got the McTominay Fred, it's going to be incumbent on one or both of them to to progress the ball forward to Fernandez and the wide players and the striker. And so you're, you're then exposing to a degree that lack of quality in, in their distribution. But I think in a game like tonight, we kind of got away with it. I think we're forgetting now we were far more creative with Pogba in the team and we'd have far more guile to, to break down a team like West Ham today or a team like Milan on on Thursday. But at the moment, we don't obviously don't. So we're having to kind of make the best of it. And I could, I, I'd expect Matic well, to Well, interesting play. that you mentioned that, just to cut across, which is that yeah. Solskjaer is potentially expecting Van der Beek and Pogba and Martial and Cavani and De Gea back for the game in Milan in midweek. 
Wow, exciting. That's not bad. I mean, that's good. It's a lot of bodies. Well, it is a lot of bodies. And we saw tonight, I mean, I, I was moving moving our my equipment in preparation for the um, the pod, but I believe we didn't make a substitution tonight, did we? We didn't. Solskjaer was talking about that earlier on, and his comment was, uh, I didn't feel we needed to. No, but if if you look at the bench, if he made subs on on Thursday, and ultimately it, it, it cost us, didn't it? You know, he he took mm. Bruno off. Um, he changed the, one of the fullbacks. Took, took Wambasaka off, didn't he? And he tried to kind of rest a few of his players, and it, it didn't work. Um, but if you look at the, look at the bench today, you're not going to want to change your centre back when you're defending well. You're not going to want to take Shaw off for Tellez because he's your he, he's the best player on the pitch. You don't really want to take Williams off again because Wambasaka's defending well. Then you've got two Anzebe, and as we all know. The two Anzebe substitution is the substitution of doom and inevitable Bless him. Yeah, inevitable concession. And then you've just got Matic, which means you can't press. And then Shortire and Diallo, who I can understand Ollie not wanting to risk in a game in which United were very much in control of the, of the match and didn't really need to change anything. Mm. So, but, but I mean, all of that is the result of those lack of options, isn't it? You know, we've had, we've got a, a considerable injury list at the moment. And so, We've not had the ability to to really move players around and make changes that we'd like to have done. So if they are back on Thursday, you wouldn't imagine they'll start, but it would it would be good to at least have them on the bench and have the opportunity to change the game if we need to. Yeah, and I think whilst we sort of there's not necessarily much more to call from the actual game itself, we were speaking about this match prior, and I think we both agreed that just getting out of this game without losing, given how close West Ham are were to us at least at the start of play was so key, wasn't it? Especially given that this is our last game before the international break. To go in having not necessarily completely fixed the form that we were in, in terms of you know not necessarily scoring much or creating enough chances to really dominate games, but at least finding our way to grinding through a result like this, I felt was really big tonight, especially yeah. considering that we conceded so late in midweek, considering that we had come off the back of the draw against Chelsea and the one against Crystal Palace and you know, we were struggling for fluency. I think that was very clear. And I don't necessarily think that obviously we weren't back to our fluid best or anything this evening. And, you know, there's there's always a sense that once we get in front, you know the space is going to be there for United to exploit on the counter if they can play their cards right. And we didn't quite manage that, but I still feel like in Italy, for instance, if we can switch it up, bring four or five players back into starting lineup who weren't in previously, then that will freshen and invigorate the players that are around them. Yeah. You can afford to push Martial on a little bit more because obviously he had this game off. And then you've got Cavani coming back in and hopefully he'll be wanting to get involved in the goals as well. And Pogba, I guess, will have, having missed so much and seen the form of the team fall so, not necessarily so far, but certainly be affected in quite a big way since he was he suffered that injury against, Shef- uh, sorry, against uh, Everton a little while ago. So I'm very much looking forward to that. I think what I want to just get a scope from you, Rich, is looking at the table now, how big do you feel that win is for our top four hopes, given the games that we have left this season? I think that's huge. I, I would be really surprised if we threw away top four now um, from, from where we are. There was a lot of a lot of hissy fits and hand-wringing after United drew at Palace, saw some people saying, you know, we're going to drop out of the top four, our form's terrible and all this sort of thing. I don't think people are really appreciating how bad the form of everybody below us is. And we've talked about the reasons for this. It's just the, the relentlessness of the games is is taking its toll on everyone. But it was monumentally important for United to win tonight, firstly because Leicester had won, so it puts us back in, in second again, but also because Chelsea drew uh, Leeds, 
obviously West Ham have lost. Everton lost. <clears throat> Everton Spurs lost. lost. Spurs lost. You know, all of the all of the other pretenders for the for the top four. Um, realistically... I mean, Liverpool are playing tomorrow. They'll probably lose as well. Well, they they may, but I think Liverpool are are a long way back now, and it's going to take something incredible for them to to catch certainly to catch United. You know, you're looking at Leicester as the, the only one from uh, one, two, three, four, five teams that have played this weekend. I would say. Some sort of chance of making top four. That's a big, big win. Not least because it's against a rival, but because it takes advantage of everybody else's slips as well. Yeah, well, we've played City two times this season. We've got uh, Leicester visiting Old Trafford later on in May. Played Chelsea twice. Played West Ham both times. Played uh, Everton both times now as well. One visit to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium later on as well. Uh, obviously, the visit at Liverpool, but we played a lot of the teams that we're going to be needing to beat or get points against in and around us at this stage now. So. I think in terms of size of that, I, mean, I know I've already made you answer the question, but I fully agree. You know, I think that there's now a healthy enough gap that United could potentially have a mistake in them between now and the end of the season yeah. and still stay in that top four. And to be fair, it would be nice to finish in second, considering how far away we are likely to finish behind City at this stage. Yeah. And it would be much nicer if we were talking about being a lot close to City at this stage of the season as well, because you don't want to be, even with that game in hand, like potentially 11 points behind them watching them go off into the distance as this season concludes in a bit of a flat fashion but I think we've just got to accept where we're at you know the league went well over a month ago and now it is just a case of figuring out top four and we'll take a quick break before we come on to the next part of the episode we have a small favor to ask friends if you're enjoying the show please help spread the word leave a rating and a review on apple podcasts acast or any podcast app you use it's a small thing that helps shows like ours to move up podcast rankings and generate more listeners and it would be hugely appreciated right rich heading off to the san siro in midweek and then we have the visit to leicester in the fa cup next weekend now my question to you looking at the way this season could potentially pan out is with Obviously, with a couple of players playing back, that helps our chances in terms of rotation. But do you think United, with the COVID season being the way it is, and football in general being the way it is, how do you think Do you think United are essentially going to come up to a point where they need to start prioritising one or two competitions and something falls by the wayside? Yes. I think it's inevitable. I just don't... Perhaps if, if United hang in there in the Europa League and we get another couple of Premier League wins in the in the next couple of games, then then Oli might look at it and think we've got a bit of cushion there. We can really throw a lot at, at, at one of the two cups if we're still in them. Um, at the moment, I, I think it's a very tough ask for the squad, particularly with the injuries we've had and just the relentlessness of the schedule to play all, th- all three of those competitions right to the end, You know, playing twice a week for the rest of the season as we have for pretty much all of the season so far you know obviously I'd, I'd like us to win in Milan on Thursday but if if we don't and we go out I don't see it as a massive deal I, I'd much rather win the the Leicester Cup game at the weekend that that one for me I'd really like to see United win the FA Cup again because we it, it's not been enough in recent years so <laughs> well, I mean, the counterpoint that I would say to that, I'm not saying I disagree with you at all. And I think if you look at the Europa League in totality, we've still, you know, bearing in mind if we get through on Thursday night in Italy, we'll still have five more games to get through in our schedule to win that competition, which is a tall order considering that, you know, we still have nine Premier League games and at least one more FA Cup game. So what's that? 15 in total between now and the end of May. It's a punishing schedule and that would cut down our potential games by a third if we weren't in the Europa League 
And I do wonder if people are minimising or necessarily taking into consideration the effects of how draining this season and this year has been for football in general, not just United. You know, we've spoken about this quite a bit and we're far from the only ones who've noted this, but there is such a mental toll that football is playing and the life has been playing on everything, every aspect of general living and in particular for footballers they're not immune to that and I thought it was really interesting actually when there was an interview with Fernandez after the City game on Sky Sports and he was talking about you know how you know people just sort of assume all right we're in the bubble with all the players and everything and you know we're playing football everything's it's fine but it's not you know I'm paraphrasing to a degree but I think that was one of few times I've actually heard a footballer say actually yeah this has been challenging so I thank the people I've had around me for giving me the support I needed and I think if we actually got a bit more of a clearer idea of how challenging this has been for football and that sort of talks into a bigger problem that we have with our footballing culture of not willing to show weakness you know we're getting better by all means but I do think it's something that we're still far lagging behind in in terms of a fuller understanding of how difficult football has been this season but regardless you know I don't necessarily think we're, a lot of people are fully taking that into the equation when we talk about dropping the Europa League but as a counterpoint we have seen Solskjaer fail in the semi-final position four times over the course of the last 18 months, Rich. So in terms of missing out on the potential of a trophy, considering it will be four years since we last lifted anything, which would be uh, the Europa League. If I was going to say to you, what about trying to prioritise a trophy this season? What would, how would you take that? I've, I've, no, I've no objection to us going for a cup. I just think that this season, more than I think any other season that we will ever experience or have ever experienced getting Champions League is important because I think people don't realise that United have been impacted more in terms of the percentage of their turnover by empty stadia than any other club. You know, if you're looking at the clubs down towards the bottom, teams who've got stadia of sort of 20 to 30,000 or even below in the case of Bournemouth last year, actual match day income makes up a really, really low percentage of their overall turnover for United it's absolutely massive and you're looking at the difference between essentially Oli being able to spend a decent amount of money in the transfer window in the summer or spend next to nothing and so for United's continual development and I think we can continue to develop because there are positions in the team which can clearly be substantially upgraded it's really it's really really important that we have that money to do it in the summer that's not to say that i'm saying that we should just toss off trophies but we just have to keep in mind the balance between the the, the three competitions we're still in and what the stakes are beyond um this season um i think one of the things to keep in mind is that even if we don't win a trophy this season Solskjaer's job is not going to be under any threat right I think if he misses out on top four and wins nothing then that's a different story but I I think tonight's win certainly goes a long way to suggesting that especially with the international break coming up which will be a chance for some players at the very least to re-energize to a degree I feel like we have taken uh, a significant step in that and a path to actually getting into Champions League next season. You know, obviously there's a bigger conversation to be had about how useful that actually is, considering how rubbish we seem to be in that competition over the last decade. But there we go. Um, Solskjaer's job is going to be safe, regardless of whether or not he wins something this summer or not. I think from my perspective, whilst I appreciate the Europa League is 
a trophy and it's something that it, we should be trying to win just to, to get us back into the habit of winning trophies again because it's you know it's been what three since Ferguson retired because no one's counting the community shield it's nothing it's a glorified plate mm. it would still be great to see United be able to get over that hump and I don't know how much it's affecting the team that we've been in four semi-finals and lost all four of them over the course of this last season and this one and it would be nice to see them overcome that hump because I do yeah. think that the sooner we start winning competitions again the better I certainly think it strengthens Ollie's hand in terms of bringing in new players I think it will help the confidence with this team in terms of trying to build a winning mentality and I think it would be interesting to see how far they can go if they get past Milan in midweek now as you know it's an away game you would expect United to play better than they did last week and with potentially Pogba and Van der Beek and Martial and Cavani coming back in that should re-energize the side as I said and it should make it a much different uh, outcome than the first leg with any luck because that's a big injection of quality and experience and talent coming back into the team on a broader picture if we can get through these this next week still in three competitions there's still plenty to play for and we come back to it in April then fantastic I think that would be a wonderful way to end this period because it's been tricky these last few weeks to say the least doesn't it with the injuries and the lack of fluidity but I guess as well there's a reasonable likelihood given the, the, the first legs we've seen that we have a good chance of getting a weaker draw than we got in this round a really a weaker draw than we got in the last two rounds you know other than um, avoiding Spurs and Arsenal who I presume are going to go through there's not anything else left in the competition that should really terrify us if we've already got past past Milan and Sociedad so you know if we do get through there is a chance that we may be given a, a tie at least in the next round that we we can you know make a few changes in and, and, and try and go at it that way rather than having to go full full hammer at another really good team but then but then this is United so we'll probably draw Spurs uh, well I mean did you what it's it's mad every time I watch Spurs it's just I seem to always catch them at the apex of their awful mm. uh, I mean five wins on the bounce before the the game today and they literally didn't start playing until Eric Lamella got sent off and they were 2-1 down away at Arsenal and then Mourinho of course won't take any responsibility for that it's down to absence of individual players not anything to do with his awful archaic tactics but there yeah. we go. I mean, this has got to be bonus episode content where we basically just whinge about Mourinho for an hour. I mean, I'd love that. But, I'm sure. Would people pay for that? They probably would, to be honest. I mean, I would. Yeah. <laughs> well, you paid to be on it. Well, Jesus. Well, yeah, I probably would pay to be on it as well. I feel in a good place at the moment. Yeah. There's been the first sort of new story suggesting that Ollie's going to get a new contract. And I, I, I think that he's the first manager in the post Fergie era who probably who deserves a new contract. And it's, it is just nice to watch the Mourinho show from my comfy chair um, and see somebody else sort of struggling with his relative failings. But yeah, I mean, we saw we saw the game today reminded me quite a lot of, of a lot of United games that we saw when he was there. And he'd be absolutely dire and do virtually nothing for 70 minutes. And then if we're behind, we'd suddenly then try to score a goal or to, to, to put some pressure on. And it was very much the, the, the case in the game today, wasn't it? It was, you know, Spurs offered absolutely nothing bar... Um, Lamella's ridiculous Rabona goal. There was once a point where it was 13 shots to one. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Um, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, I think there's a very good chance that, that Mourinho will very soon have to take the decision to prioritise the Europa League. So that's the one I think that's the one flying the ointment for United that if he has to go full bore for that, then I think they they will take a bit of beating in that because I think he is he is still a good one one-off match stroke cup tie 
coach. I mean, the narrative of getting beaten by Gareth Bale, you know, leader of my country and one of the best sportsmen we have ever created would be very, very difficult to deal with. It would be annoying. I can't, I can't, I can't deny. Although I suppose anything that keeps Mourinho in his job longer, but uh, yeah, I'd rather go through and not have to play them, if, to be honest. That would be nice. It'd be nice to go through, really, wouldn't it? No, I guess we can't really... Through, yeah. Beggars can't be choosers, Richard. No, uh, right, quick one. First thing that comes into your head, score prediction for Milan on Thursday and Leicester on Sunday. Milan, I'll go for 2-1 to the Tricky Reds. Um, yeah, I'll go with that. Leicester, God. Who knows? That could be a bit of a... I'm thinking 2-2 win on penalties. Yeah, something like that. I think both teams I think both teams will score and it'll be a relatively open game and we'll all be on the edge of coronaries. Mm, well, it could be a fifth semi-final over the course of two seasons, but let's not get too ahead of ourselves. And we'll find out in a week's time, which is coincidentally when we'll speak to you next week. But before that, thank you very much as always for listening. We all very much appreciate it. Don't forget, you can get us all over Twitter. You can get me at you and like this. You can get Rich at Rich Red Voices and the pod at Red Voices MUFC. You can find our blog at redvoices.net. And don't forget the podcast itself can be found on Stitcher, Spotify, the Apple Podcast app, SoundCloud, Basically, anything that carries podcasting is decent. And by always, and by all means, if you feel the need to, or if you'd like to, or just if you'd like to do something nice for me or Rich, that'd be wonderful. Leaving any sort of review or subscription or a rating on any single podcast app you can is hugely helpful, and we very much appreciate it. We'll catch you in seven days or so. Take care of yourselves. Bye. Bye.